1: A young man that grew up in Orlando that has, for the last several years, been a part of the Washington, D.C. scene. He is the director of uh, the Center of Biblical Worldview for the Family Research Council, uh, FRC, as it is called, and David Clausen is his name. We'd like to welcome David back to the program. Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you,
0: Mike. It's a joy to be back on the show and to be able to talk with you uh... Yeah, thanks again for having me back on.
1: You know, FRC is busy, busy, busy these days. And boy, I tell you, there's no shortage of things to talk about when you're uh, looking at the whole culture and everything that's gone on. Uh, tell me, give us a, a brief update, if you will, first of all, on FRC.
0: Yeah, uh, Mike, if anyone isn't familiar with the Family Research Council, um, we're a nonprofit uh, public policy organization based in our nation's capital We're actually founded in 1983, Uh, so we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. And uh, kind of FRC, what we've historically done is uh, lobbying. We get engaged in elections and campaigns uh, all through the lens of a biblical worldview. Now, a couple of years ago, our president, Tony Perkins, just really felt that we needed to even be doing more on that front. So that actually is why we launched the Center for Biblical Worldview in May of 2021, and that's the the part of FRC where I serve, and um, my my goal is to provide uh, really just biblical commentary on whatever the issue of the day is through the lens of scripture. So, you know, for example, a couple days ago, uh, the president uh, President Biden made a comment uh, that he viewed uh, what's actually happening in my home state of Florida, uh, where the legislature is thinking about prohibiting uh sur- you know surgeries for minor children that want to transition genders you know the president called that almost sinful well you know it's <laughs> a word. comment like that uh, where he's actually using whether he realizes it or not theological language well that's where i come in and try to speak to that issue and just to unpack that what does that mean when someone says something is almost sinful and how in this instance is the, the you know the president really off course from Anything biblical Christianity would recognize. And so, yeah, FRC, we're a public policy organization, uh, first and foremost, but we also try to come at issues uh, through the lens of Scripture, just coming alongside pastors and Christian parents and congregations to think through all these issues uh, through that lens of Scripture
1: which is what historical Christianity has always been about. You know, watching things and doing things in life. Uh, you know, there's that verse in the Bible that says they did what seemed right in their own eyes. And if, that, if there was ever a true statement about today's culture, that's exactly what it is. Because even a statement like Biden made right there, President Biden saying it's almost sinful. Well, if you remove, isn't this true? If you remove the real standard of truth, the real standard for morals, the real standard for anything that is good, if you remove that from people, then whatever they think is sinful can become sinful in their own eyes. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean that it's, uh, or it's just doesn't work that way, right? It's crazy.
0: No, it doesn't work, and I think it, it was interesting. I have an article coming out actually on this very topic of, you know, truth and absolute right and wrong, and it's just interesting that there actually within biblical Christianity there actually is no such thing as almost sinful. Uh, there are things that are righteous, and there are things that are sinful. Even what ethicists would call kind of adiaphora, which is you know acts that might be morally neutral. Well, as Christians, we understand everything is to be submitted to the authority of Christ. And so even things that we do are morally neutral can be done in a way that honor God or dishonor God. Uh, in that instance, though, it definitely showed uh, just in my view, kind of the religious like zeal uh, that the current administration is pursuing all things LGBT. And and so, you know, it, it, it was just interesting that I think it's worth Christians. Um, Attention uh, that when our president uses theological language to see what he's actually saying and to consider what he means, and in this instance, you know, ironically, Mike, uh, those of us who are Christians would agree with the president that on this issue there is sin involved, That's but right. not quite yeah. the way the president means it. In fact, the exact opposite—that uh, is, that what's sinful is this gender ideology uh, that is promoting puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and actually irreversible surgeries for minor children struggling with gender dysphoria. And so again, <laughs> there's there's no shortage of things to talk about, but there's right. some issues that demand our attention. And as Christians, we are called to take everything captive to the Lord Jesus Christ and to, to think about these things.
1: You know, I think about the verse in Genesis where the uh, serpent is talking to Eve and how he used that uh, a little bit of truth mixed with a whole bunch of lie on her and that this whole thing that is happening with our culture today is as old as the book of Genesis, where we take just a little thought, like you said, a theological uh, term, and bend it for our own purposes. It it can sound to the untrained ear, or the, uh, let's say, uneducated mind about what is biblical and what is truth, it can sound like that's right. Well, that, that seems right, but it's not right, and that's why we have to look at life through the lens of a biblical worldview as you said. David, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, in terms of the education you have. Where did you get this love for theology? How did that happen?
0: Yeah, what a great question, Mike. Uh, I get to do a lot of interviews here in my role at FRC, and I don't know if I've uh, been asked that before. That's a a great question, and I think I would say it began in the home. I I was blessed to grow up um, in a Christian family. Uh, My mom and dad both— Know the Lord, and uh, brought my sister and I up in a, a manner where we did family devotionals at dinner. Uh, we were in church every Sunday. Uh, began going to youth group once I hit middle school, and so I think the the love of God's word, the love of theology, definitely was implanted in me early. Um, as you know, Mike grew up in Central Florida. Um, ultimately, graduated from the Geneva School, uh, which is a classical oh, Christian yeah. school uh, there in winter park. Um, and once I finished my kind of the high school career, uh, felt, uh, I just wanted to stay in central Florida. And so I I considered going out of state to schools like Liberty university or, or, uh, Mississippi college or things like that, but ended up staying in uh, central Florida. And I went to the university of central Florida. So go nights.
1: There you go. Um,
0: you know, at the time it might still be the, the largest, public university in the country, of course, a completely secular school, but um, was really involved in the Baptist Collegiate Ministries, and I just really treasure that time, Uh, just precious uh, memories from my time in that ministry. Worked uh, at First Baptist Church in Winter Park uh, Mm -hmm. there on New York Avenue in Winter Park, uh, and did that for two years while I finished up my undergraduate degree, and I think Mike, it was really through working at that local church as well as being involved in campus ministry that I felt a stirring from the Lord uh, to pursue theological education. And so after I graduated from UCF, I went up to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where I went to Southern Seminary, and I did the uh, Master of Divinity, uh, the Master of Theology, and uh, most of the uh, Doctorate of Philosophy, so a PhD degree. Uh, actually, currently working on my dissertation right now. Oh my uh, so. goodness, that is! <laughs> what are
1: you working on, David?
0: That's crazy. Yeah, no, no. So, <laughs> Lord willing, this year I'll get a draft done uh, of that dissertation
1: oh, and bring is.
0: my formal education to a close. Well, um, but
1: yeah, and I'll be calling you Doctor David. There, there you go. That's it. My <laughs> goodness, that is awesome. Yeah, I mean, you're working on a PhD. You're working on getting married. Now you're working as a homeowner. It is crazy the things that's going on in your life, a lot at one time. But you're handling it all so well, my friend.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Mike. Yes, life is full, and you know each day. Just ask the Lord. I, you know, can't do everything at once. I just want to do whatever's before me with excellence, and most importantly, faithfulness. Uh, to the Lord Jesus.
1: You know, you mentioned something that I think is worth just circling back again on this point about your growing up and the impact that working in that uh, that Baptist ministry, the school ministry, uh, mm. the student ministry, uh, that that just can't be underestimated how, how important it is. The people that work these ministries that give their lives and give it away, they just have no idea How much of an impact they're making on people's lives like yours, but it really impacted you, didn't it?
0: Oh, it really did. And it's interesting, Mike, you know, working here in Washington, D.C., living here since 2019, I've had neat opportunities to, you know, meet senators. I I met the uh, current Speaker of the House, you know, neat opportunities like that, um, and people in power. But, you know, the people that have really actually impacted my life are youth pastors, uh, campus ministers. Um, people like Robert Hemphill, who was the longtime youth pastor at First Baptist Church in Winter Park, or, or people like Brad Crawford, who's uh, been the director of the Baptist Collegiate Ministries at UCF for, you know, 20 years at this point, uh, people who in, in one sense are laboring in obscurity and kind of just doing what they feel the Lord's called them to do. And it's interesting to, to look at Folks who have been in those ministries, uh, who it's cool, you know, it's, 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 a, I think, an important leadership principle that people like those guys I just mentioned, Robert Hempel or Brad Crawford, uh, they've replicated themselves. And there's now dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, Christian young people in their late 20s, early 30s, who are now doing ministry all over the country because of the impact uh, that faithful servants uh, like those gentlemen uh, had on them.
1: And, you know, we know that these people that are doing that, they're just like us. They can get busy in what they're doing. They can just be doing things sometimes out of rote. And it's not that their minds or hearts aren't engaged, but they—they they certainly, it is certainly possible for them to not realize the depth of impact that even the simplest, the smallest duties of faithfulness in everyday ministry to people, to these collegiate students like yourself, Uh, They just they can miss that. And so that's why I wanted to come back and circle around and and just say thank you to all the people who are discipling other people in whatever kind of way it is that you're doing it, whether it's in a ministry, whether it's at your church, whether it's maybe it's on the college campus or maybe it's somebody you work with at Publix. Who knows? But the point is, all of those efforts are helping that person get a better picture And it's a real life kind of in real time picture of what it means to live out our life with Jesus at the core. And that I, I'm just so grateful for that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's so well said, Mike. I think sometimes uh, the day to day, the week in week out can, can feel like drudgery, but you know, the Lord doesn't call us all to change the world. That's not the mandate that he's given us. He's, he's given us a mandate of faithfulness. Yes. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, for, the stay-at-home mom, that'll look different than the corporate executive. Um, but if we're all following the Lord, uh, we're going to be pursuing faithfulness in our various vocations. And and that's what the Lord Jesus calls us to do. Um, and so I think, yeah, I, th- I think it's important to consider that. It's important to reflect on that, um, not to put demands on ourselves that the Lord himself isn't putting on us. Um, again, we're, we're not all called to change the culture, to change society we're called to impact the sphere of influence that we find ourselves in. And I think that's what Christian faithfulness is defined by the scripture looks like.
1: I agree completely. Friends, if you just tuned in, you're listening to my guest, David Claussen. He's the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at FRC. That's Family Research Council based in Washington, D.C. We've heard the name Tony Perkins for years Uh, a real important name in so many circles, all of them dealing with uh, kind of what we're, the the general theme of what we're discussing today, right living and, and living our lives out with an understanding and maybe peering through the lens of a biblical worldview. And that's really what we're called to do as believers. We're called to be light, salt and light to the world. And we're called to let our light shine and that's what you're doing. Now, before we're going to be talking about your book that's coming out, I am so excited about this. It's called Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage. Now, those are things that are culture, uh, kind of like what happened with our, our president's recent statement, those are things that are being tweaked in real time, in our culture, and they're trying to be redefined daily, and they're they're putting it out to us in the news, in movies, just everywhere you look, that's happening. So we're going to be talking about David's new book in just a little bit. Before that, though, got to know about this big date that's coming right up on us here now, on the calendar, what's happening in the life of David Clausen.
0: Yes, most significantly on uh, April the 1st, I'm going to get married, uh, Mike, so really looking forward to that. Uh, I met a sweet girl uh, named Abby, uh, actually met her at the Family Research Council. Uh, we were colleagues uh, for a couple of years. She just took a recent position um, with another ministry in town. Uh, but yeah, on April the 1st, so we're, we're, we're coming up on it. We'll, we'll get uh, get married and really excited about that and just grateful for the Lord's provision. And so obviously even getting married and, and now having this book come out that talks about marriage has made me think a lot about uh, marriage and how that's God's good gift and God's good design for, his, for people. And uh, so a lot to be excited for, a lot to be grateful for.
1: That is so exciting. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. That's that's what the Bible says. And that's very exciting. And I, I just uh, w- recently heard uh, freshly uh, my pastor, who happens to be my son-in-law, which I just love <laughs> this guy so much. Uh, Chris Jesse recently stated something that I've believed for years and have marveled at in my own life when I was a pastor for 36 years, having the privilege of uh, doing several weddings, many weddings where the pastor is pronouncing them man and wife and realizing that that's one of the most permanent, one of the most significant statements that I believe I've ever been able to utter when you think about what happens in that moment in God's eyes, not just the eyes of our family or our own eyes, but in the eyes of God, he sees those two and makes them one in that moment it's a significant declaration and it's about ready to happen to you my friend a new family is about to be created
0: yeah well the 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 comment your son-in-law said uh mike is it's profound it's biblical and uh it is definitely exciting and obviously like i said grateful to the lord uh looking forward to it and i think you know one thing that abby and i have talked about is what we're most excited about is, you know how are we going to be able to leverage Uh, this new union uh, for the Lord? How are we going to be able to serve our church? How are we going to be able to serve our community um, in new and exciting ways? And I think uh, as we've considered that, as we've thought about that, what that looks like in concrete form, uh, definitely uh, making it uh, even more exciting as we come up on the day.
1: You know, I think it's so important, and I know you'll agree with this, that in a day like today, many people are kind of fearful of those kind of commitments. They're, they're not sure that they want to get married. They don't want to bring up children, they say, inside of a culture in a world like this. And all of that couldn't be farther from the truth. We need families. We need young men like yourself and women like Abby who are going to come together and show the world what, uh, what God wants us to do. And that's so important that we, again, live our lives out in salt and light. Uh, David Claussen is my guest today. We're going to be talking again about David's book, and uh, we'll chat about that in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses were offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, E.C. Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder E.C. Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of five rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. My guest today is David Claussen. He is the director of the Center of Biblical Worldview for FRC, the Family Research Council. It's based up in Washington, D.C. And we've been talking to David a lot of things about his personal life in segment one and getting us all caught up on the fact that he and Abby are going to be married just in a couple of days Uh, now. It's uh, just coming very quickly, and that's so exciting. But on top of everything else, he's studying to get his doctorate, and my goodness, he's put out a brand-new book, and I think the timing of this one could not be more important. It's called Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage. So these are things, David, I, I don't know exactly how you, uh, when you look at just the importance, first of all, I don't know what process you used of, let's say, uh, ordering up your thoughts on this. But I mean, writing a book, uh, that, that in itself is is an art form, I think. Uh, But to tackle something that you've done that just is so maligned in our culture today, Mm -hmm. how did you even approach it?
0: Well, thankfully, I had some help. So this book was actually co-authored with two other guys. One is a professor at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and the other one serves as the executive director of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Oh, my goodness. uh, Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, two dear brothers. And uh, Denny actually also serves a, as president of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. So kind of in their line of work, uh, Denny and Colin, they are constantly having to think about what does it mean to be created male and female? How does that being, How is that very idea under assault with the transgender moral revolution? How do we think about uh, just the way men and women relate to one another? What does it mean to be human? What is a biblical anthropology? So they're dealing with all of that kind of in the church space. Here in Washington, D.C., at FRC, I'm dealing with the same issues, often, though, more from a political right. uh, angle. And so, you know, I, I know them from my time at Southern. And so we, we've just been in dialogue over the last couple of years and kind of looking at what's out there, uh, what, what resources are available for pastors and for Christian parents. And th- thankfully, there are books. Um, that that either tackle homosexuality or increasingly a couple books on gender ideology. Uh, But what we realized, Mike, is there wasn't something that could really be used in kind of a Sunday school setting or a classroom setting, a discipleship group. And so that's why we kind of came together and wrote this book. It's uh, eight weeks or eight chapters. And um, you can read it just by yourself, and that's great. Uh, but it's really meant to be used as something that can be used in a study with other people. Uh, We have uh, discussion questions that are in the book, and then uh, we recognize that some people might not know the answers to these discussion questions, so we actually provide answers a couple pages later. There's also a video component, so you can, uh, if you go through the study, you'll hear supplemental uh, commentary from folks like Dr. Albert Moeller, um, you'll hear from uh, Dr. Heath Lambert, the senior pastor of First Baptist Jacksonville. H.D. Uh, Charles, another well-known uh, pastor from Jacksonville.
1: Uh, we even, yeah,
0: we got um, Rosaria Butterfield, a former uh, tenured English professor at Syracuse University, who was who identified as a lesbian, uh, underwent a conversion experience, uh, and now is the wife of a Presbyterian minister. And mm. so she shared her story in one of the videos, and, and so. Again, Mike, the, the, the goal of this resource is really to help Christian families, churches, small groups. How do we wrestle through these issues? Because whether we like it or not, these issues are not going away. They're being talked about right. in the culture. Yeah. And I think we need to have a strong biblical basis for how we think about all of these issues. So that's that kind of a long-winded answer, but that, that's really what was behind uh, the creation of this study and, and kind of the heart behind it as well.
1: Now, the topic is, is so important, and there's not a parent who I believe if they were faced with the reality of what is being taught in a lot lot of the schools that maybe even their kids are going to, uh, th- I, st- I still find people that are surprised and doubtful when I tell them Look, it, it you need to check out because this is it's coming in to them through so many different ways even in the curriculum and a lot of parents David I'm finding that they just they haven't yet bought into that. They haven't yet believed that their kids are being exposed to these very topics in, in let's say early elementary school years, but they really are, aren't they?
0: No no they are and and I think uh, these issues are again stuff we have to to reckon with to grapple with uh just last week the arkansas house uh uh, the education committee passed a bill uh that would protect state employees which includes public school teachers from using from being forced to use you know so-called preferred pronouns and so you know arkansas very conservative state and obviously the this need arose that public school teachers needed to be protected from right. being coerced into using these preferred pronouns we we've reported on all sorts of stories um where especially here in Virginia which is very close to me where you had school districts uh that would allow children to transition socially transition that is go by different names go by different pronouns without even telling the parents and, and so you know mike I don't want to get too upset, but at this point in the year 2023, we are being naive if we don't realize that the moral revolution, the transgender revolution is here. It is taking place in our public schools. It is taking place in the media. It is taking place in entertainment. And again, everyone is talking about these issues and coming to very different conclusions than we as Christians would. And so if we're not thinking about, we can't put our head in the sand and pretend these conversations aren't happening. And I think as part of following Jesus of being a good disciple is we need to take every thought captive to scripture and think about these issues. And so again, that's the heart behind this this study is just trying, how, how should Christians think about transgenderism? How should Christians think about intersex conditions? How should Christians think about and, and morally appraise homosexuality? And so, again, this is, you know, Danny, Colin, and I, we've put, you know, ultimately, it's not our thoughts or opinions that matter. It's what God's Word says. That's right. And that really is kind of what we're trying to do is just point people to the Bible and say, here's what the Bible says about these issues.
1: And these are strong issues. They are facing kids. I think of the Twilight Paris song. I believe I've got the name and the artist right. But there was a song out uh, back in the 80s, I believe, called The Warrior is a Child. And, you know, we think about uh, titles like that, and we think about pictures or imaginations of a kid having to uh, become a warrior, uh, and and yet that is exactly what's happening. These kids in this culture, David, if if they are young people, let's say in sixth, seventh grades, and they know now what's right, they may have already given their hearts to the Lord, and they've been trained up, they're having to stand up on their own two feet, when they are alone at school in the daytime, if they go to a public school, they're having to stand up and face bravely a culture that is coming out them full steam ahead right in their face. And that is the kind of stand that they're, they're going to have to take in this culture because it's coming from education. It's coming from entertainment. It's coming in so many different ways that they just can't avoid it. You're right. The revolution is here.
0: No, you're right, Mike, and I think what you just described, kind of that, that Christian young person who is wanting to be faithful, who's wanting to think about these issues, uh, we have families like that in mind. Um, and so, that again, that's why this curriculum is meant to be kind of, you can do it as an individual, but it's, it's meant to be done kind of in a family setting. So if you're a family that um, does regular family devotionals, or hey, maybe if you're a family who aspires to do family devotionals and need some help, You know, you could use this. Um, You can actually view the videos that I mentioned for free. Mm. Um, Just go to the site, hecreatedthem.org. That's where you can order the book, hecreatedthem.org. But you can, you know, check out even just the videos. Um, Now, remember, the videos are meant to go along with the different lessons. But even by themselves, those videos provide helpful content uh, from respected leaders um, just kind of elaborating on the themes that we talk about in each of the eight chapters uh, but again we just made those available on the site so people could even just get a taste of kind of what they can expect from this study
1: now i know that your book has a number of well known very recognizable names who have endorsed your book and right at the top of the list and you've mentioned his name already dr albert moler who i just love this guy had a chance to meet him one time he spoke at our conference a long time ago, it was a very brief meeting. He would not know me from Adam, but boy, I listened to him almost every day on the, on the briefing, and I think a lot of people do, and it's so helpful to have men like him who are, are aware of what you're doing and to endorse your book. He said this, For 2,000 years, the church has had to defend doctrinal truth and oppose theological error. Now, in a stunning historical development, for the first time in Christian history, we have to des- define and, and defend biblical truth on the most basic issue of sex and gender. Now, you, you know, when you think about how true that statement is, who would have believed, not in my lifetime, I wouldn't have believed it, that the day would ever come where we have to defend the fact that that there is such a thing as male and female, and those are definitive topics. Those are definitive states. And yet, in this culture, we're being asked to believe, or being told to believe, really, that everything is fluid, everything is changeable. It's just ludicrous, isn't it?
0: Well, well, it is. And just to continue uh, invoking Dr. Mulder's name, you're right, even this morning on the briefing, which is something I listen to every morning on my commute, he, he talked about um, all women's colleges. There's seven women's colleges. Um, you know, that love to be perceived as very socially progressive and liberal. And when it comes to the T and LGBT, they really don't know what to do with that. Until recently, uh, they've decided to allow uh, biological men who identify as women uh, into these historic women's colleges. It's, and, and of course, you know, logically, that defeats the entire purpose of a woman's college. But you see, the moral revolution is going to end up eating itself. It's not sustainable. But again, as Christians, uh, this isn't just happening in the elite women's colleges uh, in California. Uh, This is happening in your youth group uh, with students who are hearing about these things from classmates. They're seeing about it on social media, and they want to know how to think about this faithfully. And I think that's where Christian parents, Christian grandparents, youth pastors, uh, Christian leaders, Need to realize that you know these. You know, I think when I was growing up, talking about gender sexuality, those are kind of taboo topics that we didn't really want to talk about a whole lot. Well, we we, obviously we need to talk about them in tasteful and age-appropriate ways, but but we do need to talk about God's design and purpose uh, for gender and sexuality and marriage, uh, because if we don't, someone else will. That's right. And the conclusion that young folks will will draw is not going to be in line with what Scripture teaches.
1: That's right. It's not. It's going to be far, far from it. And it's just so devastating to see how many people are, are let's say, being swayed initially. Maybe they have questions. Maybe a friend has told a young person something that's got them thinking, and they have this desire and this need to maybe put that to put that to bed in their life and and get past it and what do they do they go to a, someone they think they can trust and maybe get real wisdom from they go to their teacher and the teacher is now so often on the same side of the perpetrators of all of these lies and that's that is a, a sad state and that's happened here in Florida where a teacher with a young lady that had some confusion and maybe we don't know how or why, but she went to a teacher and the teacher just took things off and it it became a full steam ahead effort on the part of that school to get this girl transitioned and Mm -hmm. the confusion that brings the devastation that brings. And then you have basically what is uh, nothing less in my mind than, than barbaric mutilations of young people all in the name of helping them where they, uh, they go through surgeries to transition from female to male or or vice versa. And it's devastating on that kid's life, and yet there are people who are getting on the other side of it now, David, as you know, and they're waking up, and it, it just couldn't be more hard news for them than to realize the mistake that they've made, isn't that right?
0: It is, and that's why even legislation right now uh, in in florida for example house bill 1421 that's being considered which appears to be actually the legislation that the president had in mind when he was kind of uh t- talking about how the, this kind of acts you know or legislation is almost sinful right uh, but that legislation i actually read the bill just last night uh, have for an article i'm writing and all that bill does is say that minor children uh can't be subjected to puberty blockers cross-sex hormones Or these so-called surgeries, which are just irreversible surgeries where you're, you know, chopping off healthy body parts. And it's, it's, I think the rise of, there's actually a whole movement now of the detransitioners, which are folks who at some level, you know, at one point identified as transgender, but now they've reverted back to their biological sex. Uh, Chloe Cole, for example, has been in the news recently And I think, you know, what what folks in the detransition movement are telling us is that, you know, they were rushed into these treatments. There was little to no uh, psychological or mental evaluation. Um, It was just they, they showed up at these clinics and were pumped full of hormones. And so, you know, I think there is an obligation for the adults in the room, which includes state legislators like those in Florida to stand up and say, hey. Uh, We need to protect our children. This this is one of the fundamental purposes of government, actually, is to protect citizens. And I think we we do need to protect our children. And I think, you know, Mike, I I think the the, the LGBT, the the T in that, I think is ultimately going to be the undoing of much of the movement. At least that's my hope. And I think when it comes to these things we're talking about with children and these surgeries, also just biological men and women's sports – I think even the, the secular person on the street recognizes that it's simply not fair uh, for biological men who've gone through puberty and just have anatomical biological advantages to compete against women. That's I think right. polling is bearing that out, and so my hope is that those who are embracing this movement, is, at least in the political class, are going to realize this is unsustainable. This is not even politically – this is not a political winner. And, and that some of this craziness can be dialed back because it it really is just that it's it's crazy.
1: You know, thirty years ago, thirty-five years ago, it was all uh, talk about uh, women's uh, movement and uh, the kind of like the the rise, if you will, of feminism. And these people who said that and and were pushing, in many times they were talking about things that were right. There was a disparity in pay for people it just based purely on whether or not it was a woman that they were talking about versus a man. So there were some aspects that were understandable, but these people that were pushing for that kind of... Uh, opportunities for for ladies—they've got to look at what's happening right now in the in the things that you're talking about about men coming into women's sports. They're they're making a fuss about this too. It's not right, even from the ultra feminist side, isn't
0: that right? Oh no, it's absolutely right. Just ask Martina Navratilova or J.K. Rowling, uh, two friends of all things uh, LGBT uh, in most regards. Uh, however, they've Dared to speak out, Martina Navratilova talking about sports, uh, J.K. Rowling talking about other aspects of society, that, hey, uh, we're really in danger here of stripping women and girls right. of a lot of hard-won rights in the name of gender equality for those who identify as women who are actually biological men. And so, again, I don't think either Martina Navratilova or J.K. Rowling would identify as a born-again Christian but even they recognize the illogic of this uh, whole agenda.
1: We're going to pick this back up in a moment. We're up against a break. This is Afternoons with Mike. My guest, David we will be right back. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and
0: yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095.
1: At the end of the last segment, my guest David Claussen and I were discussing uh, the things that are going on in our culture right now, all in the context of David's book that he has co-authored. Uh, the stuff that's gone on in our culture in the last 40 years, a lot of those things that were hard fought, let's say women's rights and, and the recognition for women and equal pay and all of the things that were, were fought for in the 70s and 80s are just in some ways summarily being thrown away in this current revolution that's going on. Uh, I think the revolution is the right word. And it, you know, just a couple of years ago, they admitted, and it's funny, you'll never hear this talked about this way again. There was an admission back in, let's say 10 years ago, and I heard it when they said they agreed, they being the populace, I guess, those that uh, would agree with people who are studying it in this, in the uh, media and so forth, that transgendered, the issue of transgendered people were a very less than 1% of the American population would identify as that. And yet here they've, they've taken this revolution and they've blown that up to where it's, they, if you believe what they're saying, David, it's almost like one out of every, every three people are probably living in the wrong sense of gender. And that's just so preposterous, but how quickly things have fallen in that direction.
0: That, that's right, Mike. And I think it's interesting to actually look at the numbers. And in fact, last month Gallup uh, came out with uh, the latest iteration of their survey, and they found that the the population uh, of Americans who identify as LGBTQ plus. You know, there's always new the the plus. That's the dangerous part. Yeah, they're absolutely. always going to add new new letters to the to the acronym. Uh, but it's actually it has gone up in recent years. For a very long time, it was around three to four percent. Uh, and in the last couple of years, it has spiked up to about seven percent. So about seven percent of Americans uh, identify as LGBTQ. Now most of that's in the L, the G, or the B. It's right. Still, I think right around one percent T. But what is revealing, Mike, is that um, when they broke it down by generation, is that Generation Z, uh, those born they, and they defined it as anyone born between 1997. In 2004, so these are folks who are right now uh, finishing up high school. They're in college, or they're one or two years into their uh, professional careers. Uh, 19.7% of Generation Z identifies in some way as LGBTQ. Uh, 19.7. So that in that demographic, that's one out of every five people who have bought in to to such a degree. That they are now claiming that identity, and I think that's important. You know, Gallup's not a Christian organization, but just that raw data that has important implications for how we as Christians uh, message on this issue, think about this issue, engage on this issue. Well,
1: you know, it just goes to show the power of persuasion when you have so many forces that are like colluding, and there is no doubt in my mind, David. There has been an organized collusion. Between the news media, between the radical left, uh, the talking points just couldn't be coincidentally the same. There's a collusion. There's working together, and they're doing it. And rightly so, that's why you use the word revolution. It, it is like this thing is being uh, commanded with a general, so to speak, in warfare, and it's being brought out to the battle, and they are winning troops. They're, they're confusing people to the point where they're buying in to this alphabetical soup of, uh, of names of LGBTQ plus, plus, plus those pluses, those variables. It's like you said, who knows what is going to be the next thing added?
0: No, that's right. And I think it's, we have some sense of what's the next thing. I think a couple of years ago, Facebook, uh, added, you know, 53 options for gender. Wow, um, You know, you, you had 53 options, including two spirit, um, you know, two-spirit, you could identify as that if you wanted to as your gender. And so, you know, some of this has become so nonsensical that it, it doesn't make sense, um, that it's hard to keep track of. Uh, but what it does show is that – and other polls show that, you know, at the same, the same time, Mike, and you and I wouldn't be surprised by this, at the same time uh, that this rise in LGBT policy goals and objectives are being achieved, we see the percentage of Americans who would have a biblical worldview – Uh, is decreasing george barna uh i've been on your show before mike and have talked about the six percent of americans who have a biblical worldview based on george barna's extensive research Mm -hmm. he came out just a couple of weeks ago with a poll that shows that six percent number has now dropped to four percent of those who have a holistic fully orbed uh perspective perspective on life engaged by the scripture so at the same time that christianity has declined and lost influence We've also simultaneously seen the rise of unbiblical ideas, uh, ideas that really go uh, not just against, you know, doctrines such as Jesus is, you know, the Son of God and Lord, uh, Jesus the only way of salvation, but you're seeing the rise of ideologies that go against the grain of creation. Right. right? Things as basic as our our being male and female, uh, the institution of marriage being reserved for a man and a woman. So it's, again, not just Christian doctrines, you know, that are being thrown off. It's just fundamental, biological, physiological, anthropological realities, and I think that's why I think Dr. Mueller's the to- guy that coined it, uh, but we are living in the midst of a moral revolution, and uh, as Christians, we need to, the very first step is to at least acknowledge that and kind of recognize the contours of the of the battlefield, really.
1: And we have to get ready for the battle. I, you know, we can't let it just come to us. We're going to have to address it. I think of Steve Camp's song often from the 80s called Run to the Battle. And I think that is something that we need to do. That's what we saw in the Bible that David did with Goliath. He picked up the smooth stones. He picked up five of them. He only needed one. And in a real sense, if we have the, the one truth from the word of God, then we are armed with more than enough. And that's something we all have to remember, that this is a battle, and it's a battle that we've got to be willing to fight. We can't be the ostrich sticking our head in the sand and just hoping it somehow goes away. Because like you said earlier in the program, we've got to admit the fact that it's probably here to stay. This battle, they're not going to be giving this one up.
0: No, they're not. I think the point you just made, Mike, about Scripture being sufficient, that, that's so important. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God, mm-hmm. and it's profitable for, for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking that the man of God may be equipped for all righteousness. And at the end of the day as Christians, yes, we're in the midst of a battle that's raging. We, we need the armor of the Lord, Ephesians 6. Uh, but at the end of the day, our, our, our weapon is God's word. Uh, it's breathed out uh, mm-hmm. by God. Mm-hmm. And at the end, we need to be rooted in that. We needed to be grounded in that. That's the purpose of Denny Collin and I's book, to just help people think biblically about all these these ideologies that are gripping our society. And that that's true on in these issues. It's true on the life issues. It's really true on any issue we deal with that God has spoken in his word about so many issues. And as a matter of faithfulness in a very confusing age that we live in, get rooted in that book.
1: Hmm boy, I can't wait to see this book and uh, it sounds like it's going to be so helpful. I think every parent needs to read it. Every parent of a child, even if they're not in school yet, you need to be ready for it because it these problems are going to be there waiting for you and your child in just uh, whatever time it is until they enroll in that school. So you got to get ready, you got to get yourself prepared and become educated on what's going on. You mentioned the word a couple of times, and I want to go back to that word, sustainable. I agree with you completely. The type of teaching that we're having right now, it is not, it's so far off center uh, that, I mean, my dad would say it's a brick shy of a full load. I mean, it's probably more than like a 100 bricks shy of a full load. It, it's not sustainable. What do you see happening? What, what are the... Uh, what are the little areas where this could kind of come unraveled you know in our culture what are we going to have to do to see that happen
0: well for for example the the um, with the the women's colleges you know announcing uh, a change in admissions policies uh that you know biological men who identify as women can now come into these you know historic women's colleges uh, the new york Times quoted this the president of the student body and she said something to the effect that uh, this is a great policy change, and the culture on campus will not change. Right. I think Dr. Moeller's <laughs> response to that, he said, "Good luck. You're you know, right. you, you let biological men into an all-women's college, and you think that's not going to change the, you know, the the culture. You got to be kidding yourself.
1: Now, what could think, go wrong, right?
0: Yeah. What What could go wrong? And <laughs> you know, so things like that. I think obviously these these women colleges are going to see all sorts of issues that are going to come because of that. Think about uh, the the whole issue of sports. Uh, Already we're seeing folks like Leah Thomas, a biological male who swam on the University of Pennsylvania swim team. And as a biological male who's just built stronger and bigger, uh, Leah Thomas broke meat records and pool records and league records, won a championship, and, you know, just took those trophies and ribbons away from biological girls who have trained their whole life. And and so I think, you know, what we're seeing with the T and the LGBT Is because it's such a fundamental inversion of created reality. uh, I I think when I say it's not going to be sustainable, I think even secular folks are ultimately the the word you're going to hear, Mike, is this is unfair.
1: Yeah. This is unfair.
0: It doesn't make sense. Right. And so I I do think uh, there's instances of this where, where we actually see the manifestation of this radical gender ideology. I think we're going to start seeing some people wanting to walk back some of these policies or, or make some accommodations or make there be a third option or something, uh, because I think the women's groups are going to realize that everything they fought for is now being sacrificed on the altar of political correctness and gender ideology.
1: Yeah, you know, we think about the pushback that happened in Loudoun County with parents saying enough is enough and getting involved with school boards, that kind of pushback that yes. kind of courage, that kind of standing up against the the media flow, is what we really need, isn't it?
0: It is. And Glenn Youngkin is the governor of Virginia, I believe, uh, because of that issue. You know, Joe Biden in the twenty twenty election won Virginia by ten points, and literally a year later, a Republican wins the the governor's mansion. And it, so, how do you account for such a you know a shift in the the, the populace? Well, it was because of the issues you saw in Loudoun County related to these issues that we've been talking about, right. realizing that this is dangerous to girls. This is dangerous to women. And you know, at the end of the day, I think even people who don't have a biblical worldview, they appreciate sanity. They appreciate normalcy. And if you go down this road of the gender ideology, that's the opposite of what you're going to get. You're not going to get sanity. You're not going to get normalcy.
1: Well, we pray that more and more people will join the fight against this very obvious revolution that's going on. And David's book is going to be a real help. It's going to be a great tool and resource to use. It is called Male and Female. He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage. Co-authored with David uh, is Denny Burke and Colin Smothers. And uh, tell us how that can be. uh, How can people get that book?
0: Yeah, you can find it at hecreatedthem.org. We made a site for it, just hecreatedthem.org. On that site, there's options to order it from uh, the publisher, from Amazon, from Christian Book, from Barnes & Noble, uh, kind of wherever books are sold, but kind of the the hub for all things related to the book, to to read the endorsements, to watch the videos, everything. We just tried to make it as easy as possible. Um, Hecreatedthem.org is kind of the the one-stop shop for all things related to this resource. And again, the prayer from all of us who've written the book is that this just kind of is just an arrow in the quiver of parents, pastors, uh, faithful Christians who are wanting to think biblically Uh, about these contested issues uh, that we have to deal with every single day
1: well it couldn't be more important especially for all the parents out there and even grandparents (laughs) i want to see your family have the uh the opportunities that we did uh this world is changing friends under our feet we've got to be ready we've got to be prepared david clausen we wish you the best on your upcoming marriage to abby and uh, congratulations to you my friend
0: Thank you so much, Mike. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, being on the show again, hopefully in the near future.
1: Absolutely. David Claussen, the director of Center for Biblical Worldview at Family Research Council. That's all my time. Thank you for being with us today, folks. We'll see you the next time
0: on Afternoons with Mike.